While you're making your way to your seats, uh, I'm going to have uh, the guys play uh, our year in review video. Uh, Chad played this last week, but for those of you who weren't here, maybe still traveling, uh, this is uh, just a year in review uh, video of some of the things that happened in 2018. So guys, hit it. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, and we're not, we don't show that just to say, like, hey, look how great we were, or look at all the cool things we did, but that, that God, uh, God really is moving in our midst, and he's doing things. He's bringing people from death to life. He's strengthening marriages, um, strengthening families, so we're, we're excited about that this morning. So um, this morning, uh, as we look towards uh, 2019, we're going to be talking about looking forward with faith. So uh, Chad shared last Sunday about remembering well. So the other side of that coin is not only looking back to 2018, but looking forward to 2019 and, and looking forward with faith and what that means and what kind of faith, faith in what, and uh, how do we get that faith to look forward. So um, this morning we're going to be in Philippians 3, 1 through 14. So if you have your Bibles or if you've got the Bible app on your smartphone, please uh, flip it open or swipe it open and um, turn to Philippians 3. 
And if you're able, um, just to honor God's word, would you stand as we read this passage? So this is Philippians 3, 1 through 14. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Look out for dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh, if anyone thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. It's awesome. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the richness and the power of your word. Thank you for um, the truth of your word. Thank you that um, your spirit comes and shows us your word. Father, thank you for just all the things that you have done this year that we've just seen um, glimpses of. Father, may this morning, may we throw off the chains that bind us. Father, may we throw off um, the spirit of condemnation. May we throw off um, any spirit that's not of you, Father. May you come. May you um, pierce our hearts. May your word pierce um, bone and flesh and spirit, Father. Um, and may your Holy Spirit move in this place this morning, Father. Um, give me strength just to uh, speak your word to these people that I love, Father. Thank you so much for um, bringing us all here, Father. Thank you that we can be here um, listening to your word and worshiping you. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. So um, I'm running and gunning this morning. I'm trying, uh, I ran this sermon by my wife, as is usually wise when your wife is a, has a master's in biblical studies. Um, and uh, she's like, it may be a little long. So uh, I, I trim some. So I hope that doesn't discourage you as we go in. Um, but this morning, um, I have uh, just feel four points, four ways that I believe God is calling us through his word and his spirit to go into 2019. So we talked about remembering well. We talked about um, Christ being alive, about knowing that the reward is coming. So this morning, I want to look at four ways that this text talks about going into 2019. So number one, if you're taking notes, this is, this is the, the first one. Um, Ways we go into 2019. We go into 2019, as it says in our text, 
counting all we could bring to the table as loss. So it says in our text, whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. So this is a huge part of our text. Paul is talking about, talking to the church at Philippi, and he's warning them of those who are putting their confidence in their flesh, specifically the work of circumcision. And what Paul is saying is that, listen, Christ has given us the confidence that we need. Paul answers those that are saying circumcision is still a vital part of becoming right with God. And Paul says, look, if you think you have reason to be spiritually confident because you're obeying these parts of the law and you're circumcised on the eighth day, listen to me. He's being a bit hyperbolic and saying, I have more. Like, listen to my accomplishments. Listen to what I can do. So Paul says, look at how religious I am. This is my spiritual pedigree. And Paul's coming to the table with some serious spiritual accomplishments for um, a Jewish person in that day. He lists them out when he's charging the church at Philippi. He says this, he says, um, For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. So that's his premise. That's where he's starting. He's saying, we don't trust in the circumcision. We don't trust in these things. We trust in Christ through faith in the cross. But he says, although I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh, if anyone thinks he has reason for more confidence, I have more. And he lists his, his, his accomplishments. He says, circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church. Paul persecuted the early church. As to righteousness under the law, blameless. So Paul is listing off all of these things that to the religious people of the day, they would look at and think, he's got it together. That man knows what he's doing. If anyone has confidence, has spiritual confidence, if anyone can go into the new year thinking, I've got this, it's Paul. But what Paul is saying by throwing this out there is he's saying, look at all of this stuff. Based, compared with knowing Christ Jesus, I count all of that as trash, as filthy, worthless trash. It's nothing. It's nothing. So we're going to talk about that. So the question for us then, as we look at our text, the first question for us is, if that's what Paul had as his spiritual accomplishments, as his list of things that he was holding to, um, that the other people thought maybe that would be, be good, and Paul's saying, no, that's worthless. Our question for us is, what does our spiritual pedigree look like? What are we placing our faith in this new year? So that can be different for a lot of us. There's a lot of things that in my flesh I'm placing my faith in this new year. That can be our careers. It could be um, our family. It could be our kids. It could be, um, that's a hard thing for me as a new parent. I know as they mocked at the, uh, at the thing, I talk about my, my son every time I preach. So I'm going to keep that tradition going. And, um, but uh, it's hard as a parent, as a new parent, it's hard to not look at your, look at my son and think like, um, man, I'm, my year is dependent on, I want him to have a good year. I want this to go well. I want him to do this. I want him to do that. Um, it's really hard. And I, I can't imagine uh, those of you that have like five or 20,000 kids, I don't know, somewhere between there. Um, those of you who have so many kids, I can't imagine how hard it is to not get wrapped up in them, to get your emotional and your spiritual strength 
and, and confidence from your children. That's so difficult. And that's something that, honestly, a lot of us in our culture struggle with, to be honest. And I'm, gonna, I'm right there with everyone on that. Um, but let's say we were to list off the reasons for us. Because a lot of that stuff that Paul listed off, that's kind of way over your head, right? What does it mean to be circumcised on the eighth day? Not sure. Um, yeah, a lot of that stuff, way over the head. But let's, let's bring it down here, because to Paul's audience, that would, have, that would have hit home. They would have known exactly what he's talking about. For us, what might that look like? So for us, in our current spiritual climate, um, and it might look different. This is just, a, just an idea. This is, um, but what it, here's what it might sound like. I kind of wrote this for me as, as if I were holding to things, what would, I have, what would I hold to in my new year? What would be trash to God that I would hold to? Um, it would sound like this for us. Born to a Christian family of the people of America. As to church, I go every time the doors are open. I lead in church. As to Bible study, as to biblical study, I always read through my Bible in a year. And I have read all of John Piper's books and listened to every Tim Keller sermon. As to zeal, I mercilessly rebuke legalistic Pharisees who don't understand grace as well as I do. Funny, because it's grace and you're being Pharisaical toward Pharisees. Um, we'll get that later. Um, my marriage is on track and my kids have scripture in all of their Instagram bios. In short, <laughs> I love that last one, sorry. In short, I've got it all together. So this is a bit of hyperbole saying, like, these are the things that we trust in in our lives. These are the things we look at and we think, man, I've I've got it together. And some of you look at that and you're like, man, I don't have it together. And that's the point. All of our works are trash. This is too often what I find myself trusting in. Jesus plus something. Jesus plus good works. Jesus plus good books. Jesus plus good family. Jesus plus good appearances. I especially struggle with Jesus plus good appearances. What Paul is saying here is that while these things are good, while it's good to study the Bible, while it's good to discipline and disciple and work and strive, that these things on their own cannot give us fullness. They cannot give us meaning. They cannot give us spiritual um, life in in the end run. That it's only through Christ. It's only through putting your faith in Jesus it says in Isaiah 64, 6, it says this. We are all infected and impure with sin. When we display our righteous deeds, so we display all those righteous deeds we're talking about. When we display them, they're nothing but filthy rags. Like autumn leaves, we wither and fall, and our sins sweep us away like the wind. It's pretty heavy. But that's, that's the point we have to come to. We have to understand that we can build these kingdoms and if that's all it is, if it's just these things, it won't last. Our best days, our best times of study, our best, um, our best family, our best appearances, they don't measure up. This is a foundational truth of the gospel. This doesn't mean that we don't study, we don't read our Bibles, we don't disciple our families. It means that for the gospel to take root in our hearts, listen to this, we have to come to a place where we realize that these things themselves do not give us confidence, physical security, or spiritual righteousness before God. Compared to what Paul calls the righteousness of God given to us by God through faith, all of the things that we mentioned are trash. So that's, that's foundational. We have to come to that point in this new year 
as believers. If, if you're here and you've never come to that point at all, and you've never placed your faith for your life in Christ Jesus, God's inviting you to do that today. He is inviting you to move from death to life by placing your faith in Christ Jesus. See, so many of us, myself included, I, I was raised believing that if I could create this perfect list of accomplishments for God, that um, he would accept me. So if I, you know, uh, read through my Bible in a year, if I did this or if I did that, then, um, especially as a teenager, um, I felt this. I felt like if I did all this, then God would accept me, he would approve of me, and he would uh, guide me and help my life to go well. Like, so like as a teenager, I was thinking about college, and for y'all in, in youth, like, I was agonizing over where to go to school and what to do, and is God going to find me a wife, you know? That's the thing all guys agonize about in high school and college, I guess. Um, and I was thinking about those things, and uh, I felt like those things depended on how good I was. Those things depended on if I um, didn't do this, or if I didn't do that, or if I did this. And I felt like um, I was God's employee, and that I was working for him. And that if I did well, he would give me a, a spiritual raise, so to speak. And so that mindset is very, very um, prevalent in our culture. Um, because what, what do we do in our culture? We buy and sell. Our culture is a transactional culture. Um, the culture that Scripture was written in was more of a relational culture about family. So when God talks about adoption, when he talks about adopting us into the family of God, he's not talking about a transaction. He's not talking about a bargain. He's not talking about, hey, I got you for really cheap, now earn your worth. He's talking about adopting you. Completely, fully, 100% on the spot, family. That's what he's talking about. And that's really, really hard for us to understand in our culture. So here's the thing. When we're raised kind of that way, when we believe that we can accomplish these perfect things, when we believe that the things Paul calls in the text trash, when we think they're our hope, it does a couple things for us. For um, a Pharisaic heart, it makes that heart hard and prideful, where we say, Look at how I followed the law. Look at my family. Look, they all go to church. They all do this. But that heart, what, what the Pharisaic heart is, it's seeking its fullness from those things. Not from the God of those things. He's seeking fullness from those things. For someone who has a downtrodden heart who looks at these accomplishments of the law and looks at the law and thinks, woe is me, there's no way I can get there. There's no way I can do that. What it does is it creates a gulf between them and God that can never be filled by themselves. The answer for both groups is what Paul calls in the text, knowing Jesus, in the gospel, knowing Jesus. So when we look at 2019, as individuals and as the church, we must realize this. Our greatest treasure is Christ. Knowing him, not what we've done for him or planned to do for him, but simply knowing him. Because he's the one where strength comes from, where approval comes from. So the greatest thing... We can offer people, this is the greatest thing for us, the greatest thing we can offer people in Jonesboro is Christ, is knowing Jesus. It says in the text that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, raising him from the dead. Not just know him in his suffering and his death, but know him in the power of his resurrection. And may share in his sufferings, yes, becoming like him in his death. We must die to ourselves. We must die to those things that we trust in. That by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. So we strive, we work, yes. Christ has called us to effort. 
but not to build up our pedigree and not to build up our accomplishments, but we strive to know Christ more, to access his power through his word and through his spirit and to see others come to know him as well. So we must go into 2019 knowing our list of spiritual accomplishments must be counted as loss compared to the treasure that is knowing Jesus. So that's point number one, okay? Backtrack a little bit. We go into 2019 counting all that we could bring to the table as loss. So uh, we're in a bit of a bummer right now because we're all, we're, all these things we're trusting in, we have to count them as loss. And we're, what, is, what does knowing Jesus mean? What, what hope do I have not in the things that I trust in? So point number two, when we count all those things as loss, when we give up our trusting in those things, trusting in career, trusting in family, trusting in um, even, even spiritual things, um, you can, there are people uh, that, that know the Bible well but do not know Jesus at all. That's biblical. That's seen in Scripture. In the desert, Jesus was tempted by the devil who quoted Scripture to him, who quoted Scripture to him. And Jesus said, rebuked him and quoted Scripture right back to him. So point number two, we can go into 2019 from, very important word, from the fullness he gives us rather than seeking fullness in ourselves and our works. So we go into 2019 from the fullness he gives us rather than seeking fullness in ourselves and our works. So the beauty of Jesus' work on the cross is that all we need we find in him. Just like we come to this year with our past accomplishments as trash compared to knowing Jesus. We know this as well. This is a big truth right here. There is nothing in this new year that you could find or you could do that will match or compare with the fullness that Christ gives you freely today. Okay? So it's, what is it, January 6th? Okay? There's a lot of the year still left. There's a lot of things that I have hopes for in this new year. Um, for me and for my family and for this church. But Christ gives all of us complete fullness, peace, and joy today because it's not based on those things. It's based on Him. The inner fullness for us as individuals and as a church is not based on those things. It's not based. It's based on resting in the finished work of Christ. The reason we look forward in faith, we're going to talk about looking forward in faith, is not because of a strategy, but because of a person. We look forward in faith, not in our ability, but in Christ's work. We see in Scripture so many places that our hope, our fullness, our joy is not earned by us, but it's given to us by God as adopted co-heirs with Christ. In Romans 15, 13, it says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. So God's filling us, that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So God's doing the filling there. God's giving us fullness. God's giving us all these things. Romans 8, 15 through 17 says, So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves... We sang that this morning. I'm no longer a slave to fear. Instead, you have received from God, God's spirit. You've received God's spirit when he adopted you. Not when he employed you. Not when he gave you marching orders. But when he adopted you as his own children. I'm a child of God. That's not a catchy thing to say. That's a relation. That's a legal status in the kingdom of heaven. Child of God. I got excited. I forgot where I was. Um, now we call him Abba Father. We call him Dad. 
that's a term of, of weakness, of, of like uh, toddlers come up to you and when they need you, they just go up to you and go, that. Normally they just want you to take you somewhere or give them food or something, but, but that's, that's a term of weakness. You're raising your hands, you're saying, I need you, give, help me, help me. That's the kind of relationship we see here, Abba Father. Continuing on, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. So when God adopts us, when we seek, we find his fullness and he gives it to us instead of seeking it out there, his spirit comes and joins with our spirit and we feel complete. We feel full. And that can't happen outside of that. And since, this is still Romans 8, 15 through 17, and since we are his children, we are his heirs. So that implies not only just being a child, but it implies inheritance. It implies everything that he has, we have. Think about that. What's something that you're, that you're hoping for in this new year? Peace, security, um, freedom. Those are things that Christ has. And as a co-heir with him, he has given us those things, given us access to those things. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. It's Romans 8, 15 through 17. So we see throughout Scripture, it's God that does the filling. He's not up there waiting for us to do good things and just kind of tipping, tipping the, the water of life over. And, All right, I'll fill you up. But he's overflowing. He's filling us up to overflowing. It says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. If you, that scripture right there is 2019. Let's pray that for ourselves and for this church. So we're going to go into, I'm going to park here for a little bit. We're going to go into an important point, at least for me and when I was preparing for this. Uh, God really spoke to me during this part because um, I need to hear his word in this area in my life. Um, there are marked differences in our spirit and our actions when we live, number one, Pursuing an elusive peace and fullness out there somewhere in the year based on our actions, based on our merit. Or when we live our life out of a fullness that's been given to us by God through Christ. Those are marked two huge differences. So we're going to talk about those two differences, what they look like in our lives. And um, man, like if you don't see yourself in this, I definitely do. Um, so when I look for fullness in myself or in others, here are the characteristics I see in myself. When I'm living um, the first part of that text, when Paul's listing off all of his accomplishments, when I'm saying, man, I'm trusting in my career. I'm trusting in being a pastor. I'm trusting in um, FSM going well. I'm trusting in my family doing well and this happening and this happening. When I'm trusting in all those things, not just doing those things out of an overflow of the things God has given me or of God's power or because I'm free and can do those things and take risks when I'm doing those things for myself in order to receive fullness. Here are the things that I find in my spirit. Here are the traits of a person that is looking for fullness. Number one, timid. When I'm looking for fullness, I feel timid. I feel like I might not find fullness. <laughs> fullness depends on me. So when, I'm, when I feel that way, I don't want to take risks because what I'm trying to find is elusive and it's not there and it could not happen. So I'm going to kind of hold back. I'm not going to take risks because I'm 
I'm timid and I'm trying to, to hope I find fullness. So timidity, that's, that's the first trait of somebody that's looking for fullness. Second, it's being selfish. So when I'm looking for fullness, somebody that's looking for fullness tends to hoard resources, tends to say, like, I've got to build up a safety net. I've got to, I've got to build this up. I've got to hoard my time. I've got to have a safety net of some kind. That can be financial. That can be relational. Um, that can be so many different ways. Um, you can have a safety net because you're looking for fullness. All right, fearful. It's a huge one for me. Um, when you're looking for fullness, you're always fearful of what's going to be next because what's going to be next determines your identity. Okay? So when you're looking for fullness out in the world and not in Christ, when you're looking for fullness in your works and not in Christ's works, you're going to be fearful. You're going to focus on future pitfalls rather than past provision. So your, your vision is not going to be forward in faith. It's going to be forward in fear. <laughs> fearful. So timid, selfish, fearful. The next is prideful. When I'm searching for fullness, I'm very prideful. Say like, because then you're looking for fullness and you look back and you say, look at all these things I've done. I deserve fullness. I deserve to find what I'm looking for. I deserve a lot. And the last one, which uh, is huge for me, I don't know about y'all, but uh, you, you need approval. You need a lot of approval when you're searching for fullness. You give your effort so you can gain approval because you, you feel like you don't have that with God when you're searching for fullness. When you're not living out of fullness, but you're searching for it, you need approval. So these are the traits of somebody that is looking for fullness in their life. They're timid, selfish, fearful, prideful, and needing approval. And do you see a common pattern here? Like, I see myself in that when I'm not trusting in Christ, when I'm not trusting in his finished work. Now let's contrast this with the characteristics of someone who's living from Christ's fullness, okay? So we've seen someone who's pursuing fullness out in the world, who needs it, who has to have it but can't find it, is depending on this new year to bring it. Now let's contrast this with characteristics of somebody who's living from and out of Christ's fullness. Number one, instead of timid, confident. We're confident because God is the author, he's the starter and the perfecter. He's the starter and the finisher of our faith. He's done the work already. Any fullness I need, I find in him. So instead of breeding timidity, that breeds confidence. You can step out. You can do things that you wouldn't do if you were seeking fullness. But you can do things because you've been filled. It talks about in Romans. Filled to overflowing. What happens when a cup overflows? Yeah, it flows out. It goes everywhere. Um, so God's filling us with joy. He's filling us with confidence. Number two is uh, you're not only confident, but you're generous. So instead of being selfish, you're generous. Because the selfish outlook says, I need to hoard resources. I need to hoard my time. I need to have a safety net. The Someone who's already filled with fullness is generous. They think, he will supply me. He will meet my needs. And so you give to others. Number three, it's not, not just fearful, but grateful. Uh, I found in my personal life dealing with fear and anxiety that uh, the antidote to fear is gratefulness. The antidote to fear is looking and looking back. Instead of like we said with fearful, you, what does it do when you're fearful? You focus on the future pitfalls rather than past provisions. So when you're grateful, what do you do? You flip that. 
You focus on the past provisions of God. You look and you say, look how faithful God has been. And you th- you're thankful. You say, thank you. Thank you for being faithful. And the more you focus on those things, I challenge you, if you look back at 2018, not on the stuff you didn't get done, but the stuff that God was faithful in, and every time you thank him, you say, thank you, verbally, you say it out loud, thank you for that. And you think to yourself, man, God brought me through that. What would it have been like if God didn't bring me through that? Then what that does is that cultivates gratefulness in your heart. And the awesome thing it does is that when you turn your gaze from the back to the future, from the past to the future, I almost said back to the future, that was awesome. Uh, why didn't I do that? When you turn your, fa- your face from the past to the future, you're confident. You believe God was faithful in the past, so he's going to be faithful in the future. So not only grateful, go to the next one, but humble. So not prideful, but humble. You say, man, instead of saying, like, look at all the work I've done, I, I should find fullness. I should find joy. You say, man, look at how Christ has worked in me despite all the mess I've done. I deserve nothing, yet Christ has lavished love on me. So it takes away your pride. And lastly, instead of needing approval, when you're living from fullness, you are approved of. So when you're living from fullness, you think Christ has adopted me. So I can spend all that effort that I spent toiling, trying to earn all of these things for myself. I can spend all that effort freely. It's a release. And you can do it without expecting or needing the approval of man in return. That's huge. So many of us labor in our jobs for the approval of people. And the, the thing I've found is that if you're doing that and you get the approval of people, what do you want after that? More. More approval. But the thing is, is that Christ approves you completely through the cross. because Not because you've earned it, but because what, what do we see in Romans? You've not received a spirit that makes you fearful. You have received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. So these are the contrasts. These are the characteristics we see of somebody who lives from fullness. We love because Christ first loved us. We look forward to this new year with these characteristics in faith because of the fullness Christ has given us. Colossians 2, 9 through 10 says, For in Christ all the fullness of deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. So once again, Scripture says Christ is the one who brings fullness. So we've talked about this. We've talked about how we've seen that fullness in Christ is how we have faith for the new year. But what are some practical ways? How can we receive this fullness? It's been given to us by Christ. But what are some practical ways to receive fullness from God in the new year? So we did a series called Pathways uh, this past year. Anybody remember that? Yeah. Um, nice. Um, so we did Pathways this past year, and um, in that, there were some awesome um, practices, ways to um, be with Jesus, to become like Jesus, and to do the things, the works that Jesus did. So um, one thing that we are not very good at in our culture is being with Jesus, is taking time and being with him, reading his word to be with him. So there are a lot of ways I encourage you to go back and to kind of brush up on that series and see some of those practices. Um, some things that God's been, been giving to me is that, um, and I'll just kind of explain the tension, is when I was a teenager, um, this is what my quiet time looked like. It looked like finding a time alone, opening a, my Bible and my little study guide and the five lines that are there. There's always five of them. 
and um, you know, reading, the, reading the scripture and writing something down, and it was profitable, but my attitude was not in sync with my action. So my action was good, reading scripture, but the attitude of my heart was, I'm doing this out of compulsion, I'm doing this um, so I can please God, so I can feel better about not having fullness. It wasn't coming to it saying, Christ has filled me, th- filled me, thank you God, I want to learn more about you, I want to know you. The attitude of my heart was not in sync with the action. So just the other day, um, I was tired, um, just physically, emotionally, spiritually, and um, I just went back behind this stage uh, in the dark and just played guitar for a while. Um, I don't play guitar as much just uh, to worship by myself as I, as I used to, um, and God just, um, God just met me there, honestly, because my goal was to, to meet him, to know him. And I got out my Bible and read, and, and I read it, and it came to life. Because the, the attitude of my heart was in sync with the action. And God changes the attitude of your heart. So some things to do are just um, practically, very practically, um, walks are great. Just take a walk and talk to God. Worship by yourself. If that's, if that's the way that you feel God's fullness, if you feel worship by yourself, you don't have to play an instrument, you don't have to be a great singer, just worship by yourself. Find time out of your schedule. Read, your, read scripture. Read scripture. Scripture is how we know God. Prayer. Solitude. Find things that fill you up. So point two. We can go into 2019 from the fullness he gives us rather than seeking fullness in ourselves and our works. So because of this, we count everything we know as loss. We, know, we go into the new year with his fullness instead of searching for fullness. Because of this, we can go into 2019 pressing onward with effort and with passion. That's point number three. We can go into 2019 pressing onward with effort and passion. We're going to talk about uh, good effort and bad effort. Um, so what I just explained about just kind of those, those two contrasting moments in my life, um, one of those was bad effort and one of those was good effort. Um, discipline is good. Working out a structure to do things is good. Practice, I preached a sermon um, a while ago talking about how your practices shape your loves. Um, if, you have, if you want to be somebody who, um, who prays, um, it's very beneficial to set up a discipline, to start a small discipline and to pray to do that. But if you're doing that, if the attitude doesn't match the action and you're doing that as a compulsion, you're doing that just to rack up some, some points for God, it's not going to last and it's not going to be fruitful. But if you're doing that out of the fullness, it's great. So Dallas Willard has a great quote um, about effort. And it says this, grace is not opposed to effort. It's not. It's opposed to earning. Earning is an attitude. Effort is an action. So there again we see this uh, idea of attitude and effort. Effort is an action. Earning is an attitude. So if you come to any of these efforts, reading scripture, praying, um, anything in your life, raising your family, if you come to that effort with an attitude of, I need this to fill me up. I'm desperate. I need this. That's going to fail. I've seen it in my own life. But if you come to it with an attitude of, I've been completely filled with Christ. 
I want to do this as an outpouring of what he's given me and so so I can learn more and know more about him because he fills me. Hebrews 12, 1 through 2 says this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, and who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So see, receiving fullness from God, living out of that fullness, it's not passive. It's not, I don't read my Bible. It's not, I don't go to church because Christ is all I need. It's not fluffy. It's real. It's meaningful. It leads to good action, not to bad action. It leads to the attitude of your heart being in sync with your action. But the only way we can do that is, it, is through Jesus. It's through, like we said, like it says in Romans, reaching up your hands and going, Abba, Father, I need you. Otherwise, you're just building castles of sand. So that, that passage in Hebrews is talking about because of all that Christ has done, we lay aside weights, we push forward, we strive, we work, we spend effort with passion but not in the rat race of trying to earn fullness. We do it because we have been filled, because Christ wants to see other people be filled. So in 2019, we know Jesus more. We know him more than we work for him or try to impress him, but we know him. Because of that, we reach our final point. We can go into 2019 with expectant faith in Christ. Expectant faith. If I have faith in myself, I'm not very expectant. (laughs) If I have faith in my own ability, I'm kind of like fearful. I'm kind of like, oh man, this might not work out. I'm a six on the Enneagram, so I'm always thinking that. But um, I'm like, man, this might not work out. I've got faith in myself. But if I put my faith in Christ and his finished work, if I say the things that are true that we read in Scripture today are true for me now, are true for me in this moment, that God himself has adopted me and made me a co-heir with Christ, then I can't help but have expectant faith. Faith that believes something big is happening and is going to happen. Isaiah 43, 18 through 19, talks about not looking behind but looking forward. Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The new year is great. It's an opportunity to look and to say God is doing a new thing. Even nature declares that God is doing a new thing. All of the vegetation is dying and it's going to come back. It's going to do a new thing. And God wants to do that in our hearts. If you're here this morning and you're just weary because you feel just worn out, God is offering to do a new thing for you in your life because of who he is. Because of who he is. So I just want to close, um, as before we take communion, I want to close just with us considering those, those traits that we talked about. Eric, if you'll put the, uh, the four fullness traits again up, timid, selfish, fearful, prideful. Um, this is what it looks like when we go into this new year without faith in Christ, but with faith in ourselves. Um, timid, selfish, fearful, prideful, and we need approval. Um, now, if we humble ourselves 
and we say, Christ, I need you. I'm asking you for fullness. If we get in those quiet moments and we ask Christ for fullness, we read his scriptures, we put our faith in him, uh, put up the next ones. uh, He will give us confidence, generosity, gratefulness, humility. He will approve of us because he's approved of Christ. So as we, as we respond this morning, what is the response to the word of God this morning? I feel that God is calling us to place our faith in him for this new year. Not in our works for him, not in our works for others, not in our families, but in him. So this morning, um, I just uh, invite you to bow your heads and we'll pray and read uh, Psalm 16. It says this bow your heads and just listen psalm 16 you lord are all i have and you give me all i need my future is in your hands how wonderful are your gifts to me how good they are i praise the lord because he guides me and in the night my conscience warns me I am always aware of the Lord's presence. He is near and nothing can shake me. And so I am thankful and glad. I feel completely secure because you protect me from the power of death. You will show me the path that leads to life. Your presence fills me with joy and brings me pleasure forever. Father, won't you speak into our lives this morning. Father, won't you move our trust for this new year out of our own hands, out of the hands of our bosses, out of the hands of our families, but place it in the nail-scarred hands, Father. Place it in your hands this morning. Father, I pray that instead of looking forward to this new year with fear, I pray that you would lead us and give us a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind instead of a spirit of fear. Father, I pray that you would do exceedingly abundantly above what we could ask or think in this new year. Father, uh, pray that expectantly because of who you are, not because of who we are. Father, and I pray that we just ask as a church, Father, I ask right now for the people in this room, Father, give us fullness. Father, because you have promised it, because If we've placed our faith in you, we are co-heirs with Christ. So, Father, I just ask that you would give us confidence, give us humility. Father, give us generosity. Father, help us to know that you approve. We find all of our approval in you. Father, may that lead us. May that lead us to strive. May it lead us to run the race diligently. May it lead us to read our Bibles more. May it lead us to pray more. Not as a compulsion, not as an earning effort, but because we love you, because you've loved us. Father, send us to this new year with expectant faith. We love you. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.